Puebla, soy Miguel Montes Gonzalez. Coming back on firme. That's right, that podcast journey. Yeah, coming to share with you a little bit more about Chicano art. A little bit more about how culture can influence art and vice versa. It makes me think of when I was learning about art formally, or as some people would say classically. Everything that you, you is referenced to you, everything that you learn is concentrated on European art. You know, you have that's the concept of what art is when you have an image or a painting that's a realistic representation of life. Or when you have something that's an abstract composition of colors, shape, depth, dimension, that, you know, that's what they, and I say from an academic sense, that's what's defined as art. But then you have other forms of art that people just don't quite identify as art. And I mean things like, well, cooking, uh, you know, making uh, your clothes, sewing, fabrics, textiles. Is that an art? Because you're taking raw materials and you're using a preconceived idea. You have this concept and you're creating something from it. You're making something from these, these raw materials, these parts and pieces. Same thing in construction. Are carpenters artists? They have tools like a painter would have tools. There are specific brushes for certain textures. Then you've got different types of, of paint. You've got your oil, your acrylic. You've got these different tools to make that painting. And what do you put it on? You put it on your canvas, right? So you're assembling all this on your canvas and you're making your finished piece. Well, the carpenter, they've got specific tools. They've got a wide variety of hammers. For, for one, <laughs> they've got a wide variety of tools. And what is their what is their canvas? That plot of land, that property, that space they have to build in structure could exist in their building from within or there could be nothing there nothing but just untouched land that will become a home for a family to live in and grow up and, and create their own family history there and all that was built by people but are they artists something that makes me think about that. I feel that they are, instead of using the word artist, I would call them a creative. Because they're they're taking their knowledge, their experience, and they're putting it together. They're bringing these materials together. And they're assembling and composing, and they're using their skills to create something that wasn't there. They're creating something. Like anything else, like like 
a photographer with a camera. Is that person an artist or are they just snapping a picture? Are they just pointing and shooting? Well, chances are they could just be pointing and shooting. But you know, it's the composition. It's what they're pointing and shooting at. And they're capturing that creates that finished piece. Reminds me of a book I read a long time ago called Drive-By Shooting. And this book is written by a photographer. And, you know, mainly it was like a photo diary. But if anything, it was the story of what it's like to be a cab driver in New York. And in this book, he photo illustrates the daily life and the things that he sees driving a cab in New York City, the sunrises, the sunsets, the people that he, he, you know, he gives a ride to, people that, you know, they've had hard times, they're going through a hard time, people from out of town, you know, people that are, you know, obviously wealthy, you know, you can see it in them, and then you know, people on a date, people on a date that didn't go so well, people arguing, you know, just all sorts of, of situations and happen and things that happen across his life as a cab driver. And of course, just the perspective of what it's like to, to, to drive around New York in a cab all day. And I just thought it was a beautiful book. I mean, I absolutely loved it. You know, seeing that book at that time in my life, I was I was in high school, and it made me want to just carry my camera with me everywhere. And I did. I did. I had a Konica TC at the time, all black Konica TC with a 50 millimeter hexagon, yeah, hexagon lens, and it was great. It is a great little camera. And it was smaller than your regular SLR. And I had just the one lens on it, but it, I enjoyed it. And I, it was small enough, I, I took it with me everywhere I went. And that book really inspired me to have a camera with me. Nowadays, you know, everybody's got a camera with them on their phone, which is cool. It's great. You know, I'm not one of those dumb snobs that says, no, digital, man. <laughs> I just, I just love film, but, but yes, digital is important. I'd use digital too. And what made me think about, you know, what is art and what is that technique and that skill, how you define what art is, you know, I would think of that photographer and I thought, okay, this guy published a beautiful book. And when you see the images there, everything's in black and white. If I remember correctly, I know there are some color images. I take that back. There are some color images, but the majority is black and white. And he photographed everything on a Yashica T4 Super. That's right. And for those of you that don't know what a Yashica T4 Super is, it's a point-and-shoot camera. One of those literal, you know, just can't mess it up proof point and shoot click it cameras you know it's got the tiny little shoestring size straps on one side 
and you know it's automatic everything and he bought that for like I think a couple hundred bucks at the time it's probably what it would have cost a couple hundred bucks he bought that at a camera store there in New York and what he liked about it is you could hold it up to your eye and you can see through the viewfinder the little you know block viewfinder and you can compose your image or it had a window on the top of the camera and you could look down into that window and hold that camera like chest or waist high and you can still see your composition you know that was a really neat feature he thought that was cool he didn't realize that it had a really nice quality you know Zeiss German lens with a large f2.8 aperture as a photographer that's what I would see like oh okay wow that's a nice glass that's a fast lens I like that point and shoot that is why I would have purchased it but he purchased it for that that viewfinder feature and he thought oh well that might be handy if I'm you know I can't obviously put the camera up to my face while I'm driving but I can hold it and I can kind of glance over you know or I can look down into it really quick just peek in while I'm driving and you know or while I'm stuck in traffic or whatever and yeah he, he thought that was beneficial and and it worked wonderfully for him I mean you see the book and you'll you'll see what I mean images are amazing and this guy he, he walked around with a T4 Super and he you know just took pictures with regular old call whatever 35 millimeter film he could find until he learned of a specific film type and it was made by Ilford and it's called XP2 it's a 400 speed film that it's black and white but you process it in color chemicals so at that time again you know films common they have one hour labs everywhere you could take that black and white film to your typical you know inexpensive one hour lab and drop it off and get it processed you wouldn't have to send it away and have the the black and white film processed through a black and white chemistry and all that or take it to an expensive pro lab or anything no you can just drop it off you know at the Fox film or you could drop it off at you know Eckerd's or Walgreens he could go have lunch come back in an hour and there it is he's picking up his prints he's got photos and negatives now and you can make more you know black and white prints from it of course essentially XP2 was a colorless color film and it had such a really unique latitude that and photographers are going to get this term I'm sorry I'm all geeking out right now <laughs> but but you could push and you could pull the film by two stops so that basically means that if it's rated for 400 speed that you could actually lower it down to 200 speed get better grain finer detail it photographs better on a right day or you can push it to 800 so when it gets dark you can increase that speed and take steadier sharper photo when it's dark but you can do all of that on the same roll of film that's right you can change that that exposure index that 
ASA, as I call it, or ISO. You could change that uh, film speed setting on the same roll of film as many times as you wanted. And then you just process it. You just run it like regular color film. And when the negatives come back, they look great. They're exposed just spot on. And when you look at the prints, well, the prints are made from a machine that understands the exposure. And the, the operator, the technician running that machine, they can fine-tune things a little bit. And they, you know, try to give you the best quality they can out of the negative. And they you know, enhance it a little bit. And it's good. And you get some really good images out of XP2. I still shoot XP2. That's the film that I like to use for black and white because I can get it processed. If I had my dark room still, <laughs> like I used to, when I was back in San Antonio at the Gallery, then, yeah, you know, I, I I would process my own black and white and do everything by myself, but I don't have that here in the Pacific Northwest. We don't have a pro lab here in Spokane that I can go to. So I, I go to Coeur d'Alene, which is about 30 minutes away in Idaho, and I go over there to process my film. And I've been doing that, but lately I've been learning that there is a place in Seattle that's really heavy into the film photography, and I'm wanting to go pay them a visit and uh, send them some film. I think I may do that, just, just to reach out to them, see how they're doing. They, they post a lot on Instagram and a lot on social media, and they've got some great stuff, really, really great stuff. Yeah. I want to say they're called the film store or something like that but um but yeah guys yeah, it's, it's been really good and that film is great that photographer he would use that and his images just breathtaking so then that's where i come back and ask well does that make him an artist does that make him just a guy with a camera is he just a cabbie passing the time how do we define art? How do we define what it is? In this day and age, we're still battling with identity, you know, in terms of gender, in terms of culture, in terms of so many things. Even in the arts, we're, we're battling, well, what is art? What is it that makes it art? because you've got artists that they create from the aesthetic and that painting, that photograph. It's a really nice image of the scenery. It's very attractive. Colors harmonize and you like it, you can enjoy it. And then you've got other artists that, that don't look towards the realism, they don't look towards that style, but they they blend their culture into their art, and that I feel is the art that personally interests me. Not just as, as a Chicano, but as a Chicano artist more so. And that's my personal approach to artwork: is I put my culture into my art, and I like to do that to share with people that aren't familiar with it 
so they can learn and, and be able to talk and exchange. And for people that are familiar, they can connect with me on a, on a much deeper level and vice versa, I can connect with them. So, yeah, yeah, art, what is art? self-identity of what is an artist and there was an earlier podcast where I talked about how I was doubting my own Chicano with a Chicano artist named uh, Joe Lopez in San Antonio and as we talked he inspired me he, you know he, he's like man you know I was telling him Joe I, my Spanish isn't as good I don't know what I, the hell I'm doing here. I didn't grow up on the West Side. <laughs> you know, I'm not from San Felipe Street. I don't know if I can connect with Chicanos. I don't know if I'm Chicano. I don't know if I've been so whitewashed or what the hell's going on in my life. And that was me. And, you know, a young, young artist. And Joe looked at me and he said, dude, Dude, you're Chicano. Because. And then he paused, and I thought he was, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he's trying to think of something to say. And he just, he just held back. You can see it in his face that he wasn't trying to just think of something, but he was trying to hold something back. He was trying not to cry. And he just said, you are Chicano because and then he just kind of swallowed after a few seconds and he says and he says because you convey what you feel and you have this self image that is not white you see your brown and you're comfortable in your brown and it shows in your artwork I wish I had that power that you have to put brown in my art. Because I paint El Gallo because of what it means to me. Pride, culture, that's my brown, and I love it. I will always paint El Gallo. But you, dude, you do something I, I don't do, something other artists here don't do. Your photography, you're documenting the brown. And when he said that to me, it really moved me. It really inspired me. And I, you know, I didn't know what to say. I just said, well, thanks, Joe. And I just kind of nodded. He nodded and he put his hand on my shoulder and he's like, just nodded like, yeah. And I just thought to myself, man, wow. I Sometimes we're so immersed in our work that we need to sometimes step out and, and see what's going on. And having those, those artistic friends in our lives, they can help offer that reality check, that culture check. And it's good. It's really good. You know, I'm, I'll always be grateful for, for Joe. And I mean, he's a great artist. And he's out there, he's still kicking, and he's still painting, and he's still doing his thing. Geista Gallery is closed. 
for some time now, but, but, um, yeah, he's still going and he's been, you know, a real inspiration to me to, to keep going. So when it comes to art, when it comes to culture, when it comes to, to asking those questions, what am I doing? <laughs> am I an artist or am I just, am I just a, a cabbie with a camera passing the time? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that guy is one of the, the best photographers capturing contemporary lifestyles in New York. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got, um, culture. Well, people say, well, those are just really cool pictures. No, well, that's part of his culture. That's the culture of being a cabbie. That's the culture of driving a cab all over town, crossing paths with the lives of so many different types of people. That in itself is a culture. Yeah. So culture is in more places than we think. Art is in more places than we we know, we realize. And that's where I still carry my camera with me. I have it at my side right now. But, um, yeah. Yeah, she can eat more super. They're out there. You can find them. If you want to just explore some film photography, just, you know, something fun, just to enjoy have access to a lab or if you want to learn how to, to process your own film you can scan it some very inexpensive scanners these days you know there's a lot of things that can be done that you just need to get up and do it <laughs> but um, but yeah so it was really good sharing with you about more art more photography and I'm looking to have somebody join me real soon to bounce some ideas with and to to counterpoint and, and share what's happening for Latinx creatives outside of Spokane, outside of the Pacific Northwest so yeah we'll be working on some things Till then keep on making Keep on putting things together. Keep on working on your skills. Keep doing what you love. So, until next time, gente bonita. Bueno.